This show contains spoilers and swearing. This is Max Hedrum, and what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to one of the greatest epics ever produced. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Mr. Mr. Guest. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Unless you want to open a front door for me. No, I'm afraid not. But you have me at a loss. You know my name, but who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo. Marshal Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. And welcome back to another episode of Doodlers Like the 80s. I'm your host, RJ McCready. And for this episode, we're taking you guys back to 1988 for a very special Christmas episode. It's one of my favourite movies of all time. It's up in the top three here next to Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Thing. I absolutely love this film. One of the best films I've seen. Um, so, oh, I'm absolutely stoked. You can hear in my voice. But I'm going to save all that. Let's do the uh, TV guide and uh, play a few trailers and we'll talk about what's going on in 1988. And I will see you guys soon. Ed McMahon, take us away. Hey-oh! Here's Ed McMahon. And you're listening to Dude Looks Like the 80s. And now, I just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide. You don't need a TV. Get out, Grandpa. Thanks, that, Grandpa. Yeah, so he's going to say, say, what is that, Grandpa? You know the rule about filling up the car with gas when you take it without asking? No, I didn't. Well, now you do. Oh, thanks, that, Grandpa. <laughs> awesome. There you go. Next time I'll remember to fill up the car. 
So let's have a look here, TV Guide. Um, let's see what's about in 1988. So on TV, um, we had some pretty cool cartoons in the 80s, uh, one of them being Brave Star. And then we also had Thundercats. Oh man, it's iconic. And we had the very popular cat back then in the 80s, and it was Garfield and Friends. Friends are there to help you get started, to give you a push on your way. Friends are there to turn you around, get your feet on the ground for a brand new day. Which took off massively. I remember Garfield being everywhere. Um, in fact, I remember Thundercats being everywhere as well. Um, so, yeah, we had some good uh, cartoons back then. There's just a name, just a few. Uh, for films back then, you had Schwarzenegger in Red Heat. He was pretty much dominating everywhere back then. You had the um, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman uh, in Licence to Drive. I think that was after the popularity of The Lost Boys. Uh, you had Midnight Run. For us horror fans, we had Maniac Cop with Bruce Campbell. The very, very successful movie, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, another film that dominated back then. And another one for the horror fans, um, one I will be covering on the show, so Waxworks. That's pretty cool. I'll be having a look at that movie in the future. Okay, so let's have a look at the songs. <laughs> I knew I was going to get around to talking about these guys. Uh, it's Bros. When will I be famous? <laughs> If I'm going to mention Bros, I've got to mention Kylie Minogue. Yes, I, I knew I was going to get around to mention her eventually in this uh, show. It's uh, The Locomotion. So, I'm going to mention Bros, going to mention Kylie, I've got to mention Rick Ashley as well. Let's chuck him in there. You know it, guys, never going to give you up. <laughs> and um, Gloria's the van, she was lovely. Um, great song, one, two, three. One of those uh, sort of pick-you-up songs, you know, in the morning if you're going to work, just absolutely picks you up. So there you go, guys. That's a TV guide. That's what was going on in the 80s. And I'll tell you what else was going on this year 
was Die Hard. Okay, let's play you a trailer. Let's get into this movie. See you guys soon. We thank you one and all and wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. But a team of terrorists... You want money? What kind of terrorists are you? Who said we were terrorists? ...have their own holiday plans. And I'm telling you, you just got to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. But the one thing they didn't plan on... ...was New York cop John McLean. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... And you'll have it! They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Come to Papa, honey. Are you really an American? Only if New Jersey counts. What does he think he's doing? Good job. They're using artillery on us. You appear here. It's not the police. <laughs> He's an easy guy to like. Welcome to the party, pal. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis. Die hard. And welcome back guys, so blimey, die hard man, I'm so excited to review this film, like I say, one of my favourite movies, it's lying in in a bottle, and I think John McTiernan at the time, he, he, he did catch that lying in the bottle, because he did two great films, one being this one, and the other being Predator that he did before, the year before this, two fantastic movies, we all know it, we all love these movies, we'll talk about them, and for me personally, this is a... Um, template for action movies and I think films today are still trying to capture the magic that happened with Die Hard. I see it quite a lot today with films like just to say for instance is the White House Down movies and things like that but they, they don't get it. They'll never capture this again but I won't, <laughs> I won't rant on about that too much. Let's get into this film. Um, let's have a look at the synopsis. So I New York police officer tries to save his wife and several others taken hostage by German terrorists during a Christmas party at the Nokotomi Plaza in Los Angeles. So yeah, I forgot to say I've taken my shoes off for this one as well and got into my vest. <laughs> so um, it was made for $28 million. Um, $5 million of that went to Bruce Willis at the time. Um, so he was one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood which was groundbreaking. But the film did very, very well. It was a massive hit. It took $141 million, um, which then spawned the sequels. We won't talk about number five. Um, but the sequels are good. The sequels are good as well. Um, so it's obviously starring girl Bruce. Um, and I think Bruce Willis, he does play John McClane in most of the other films that he goes on to, to play, except The Sixth Sense. That was a good movie. And who else is in this film? So you've got Bonnie Bedelia, uh, William Atherton, who's 
always turned up as a sleazy bad guy. Um, he was in, um, you know him from the Ghostbusters movies. Uh, Paul Gleason, he's pretty good as the uh, Dwayne Jots Johnson police officer. Need a mouth, man. <laughs> Reginald um, Johnson, who plays um, Sergeant Powell. Uh, Al um another great cameo guy of the 80s. He's turned up in pretty much all the action movies from um, Lethal Weapon, Big Trouble in China, just to mention a few. Uh, and I want to shout out Rick, uh, I think it's Dukamon, oh, I can't pronounce his surname, but he's he plays he plays the engineer in this movie, and he is in a, one of my favourite movies, another favourite film, The Burbs, where he plays art, and it's another film I have to get around, so I want to give him a shout out. And you've also got the German guy, William or Wilfram von Hamburg, he plays James, and he is famously known as Vigo from Ghostbusters 2. So you've got, you've got a really good cast in this movie. So the film starts off with uh, Bruce Willis going to Los Angeles to try and sort things out with his wife. Um, they're going through some marital issues. He's a New York cop. He's got things that he needs to sort out there, and she's uh, working for Noctomi, which is a very successful... Uh, career move and you've got John McClane walking through the airport with a teddy bear and he's also got a fear of flying and right now this is what I like about the film it builds a character as a real character um, he, <laughs> he's got marital issues he's got fear of flying so straight away um, what I like about this is that you can connect with the character. He is a real guy. He's not a sort of muscle-bound superhero as such, but he's got his um, problems. He's then met by Argyle, who's got a lovely limo, and he gets into the car, and he strikes a little bit of a bond with Argyle, talking about, talking about his marital issues, and it kind of sets you up with a little bit of a sort of backstory to what's happened here. And then... John McClane says, you got any Christmas music and you've got this scene right here, it's pretty cool. Well, why'd you come with him, man? What's up? Because I'm a New York cop. I got a six-month backlog of New York scumbags I'm still trying to put behind bars. I can't just pick up and go that easy. So in other words, you thought she wasn't going to make it out here and she'd come crawling up back to you, so why bother to pack, right? <laughs> like I said, you're very fast, Argon. <laughs> you mind if we hear some tunes? Hey, that'll work. Is there any Christmas music? This is Christmas music. It was December 24th on Hollis Avenue, the dark. When I seen a man chilling with his dog in the park. I approached him very slowly with my heart full of fear. Looked at his dog, oh my God, a ill reindeer. But then I was really called the man in a beard. And a bag full of 50, 12... So John McClane arrives at the Nokotomi Plaza. And he finds out that the only people in the building are on the 30th floor. Oh, I've seen this film so many times. I think it's the 30th floor. And he goes up on the lift and there's a party going on. And he meets his wife and he meets Mr. Kataki, who is the boss. And he welcomes him. He's very welcoming, gets him a drink. And, and then you meet this fuckwit, Ellis, <laughs> who is proper sleazy. You know what I mean? Proper pompous sleazy. 
uh, who's given um, Bruce Willis's wife a Rolex watch or something like that. And um, so you get a little introduction there. And then uh, John McClane is gone into a back room just to have a bit of a wash and tidy himself up a little bit for the party. But he has a fallout of his missus and um, he feels pretty bad about that. But whilst he's in the bedroom, the bad guys turn up and they are very, very slick 1980s bad guys. And it works very well in this movie. Uh, proper like trench coats armed up with MP5s. Um, gunfire goes off. Um, they basically take control of everybody. But whilst this is happening, Bruce Willis manages to get his um, Beretta. He's, he's armed up with a gun. He's got no shoes on. And um, he runs away to one of the top floors. And this is where the game of cat and mouse starts. And um, John McClane is thinking, shit, what the hell do I do? And he's um, ultimately looks at a um, fire alarm. He gets a lighter and he lets off one of the sprinklers, enable the emergency services to attend the scene. But um, Hans Gruber diverts them. Or the guy down in the foyer diverts and says everything's okay. But then Hans thinks it perhaps might be a security guard on that floor, so he sends up one of his henchmen, Tony, and this is where you get your first fight scene with uh, John McClane, who breaks his neck, and then he manages to get his uh, machine gun off him. And this is where you get this cool scene here with uh, Bruce Willis basically saying, look, I'm... I've now got a machine gun, so watch out. And you've got this great scene here. Get them back. Not mine. Security guard we missed. Usually tired of this man growing fat on a pension. No, no, no. This is something else. Ho, ho, ho. Brilliant. So then John McLean, he's got a radio and he thinks the best place to get a transmission is on the rooftop. Goes to the rooftop and he calls out a Mayday sign. And this scene is too good for me not to play, so I'll play this. Mayday, Mayday. Anyone copying Channel 9? Terrorists have seized the Nakatomi building and are holding at least 30 people hostage. I repeat, unknown number of terrorists... Six or more armed with automatic weapons at Nakatomi Plaza. Century City. That's the best place to transmit. Somebody answer me, goddammit! The roof. Go, go! It's the same address as that fire signal. I'll handle it. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. No fucking shit, lady! Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Damn it, ladies, I sound like I'm trying to order a pizza, so... So the um, police decide to um, send out a dispatch, which is Sergeant Al Powell. But whilst John McClane is on the roof, um, he has obviously alerted the bad guys, and this is where Cole turns up and he starts shooting at um, John McClane, and they have a firefight. 
John then goes to an elevator shaft and this is where he uses his um, MP5 with the slingshot to go down the elevator. It's a pretty cool scene. And he falls down it, he goes into a shaft and this is where you get that iconic scene. This one that we all talk about when we talk about Die Hard. It's come to the coast, we have a few laughs, we get together and I'm going to play it right here. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. I know what a TV dinner feels like. Fantastic scene, and I think um, you can see John McClane's character has gone from, oh shit, what am I going to do, to he is starting to get into that you've either got that option of fight or flight and he's gone into fight and he's starting to get a little bit comfortable with it. Um, he's starting to, he makes it up as he goes along, but he's starting to get the upper hand with the bad guys and he just becomes this gun-toting, cigarette-smoking, the guy with all the one-liners. And I kind of, I like that. I like that. I like the way the character develops. He was already that guy, but this has springboarded him into that situation. So then after that, so you've got him, oh, that's right. He comes out from that shaft, and then you've got this guy called Franco who takes on John McClane, and John finds himself under the table. And it's a pretty cool scene where Franco's going, oh, next time you take a shot, don't hesitate. And then John just fires the shot through the table and goes, thanks for the advice. It's pretty cool. Then... Sergeant Al Powell turns up and he's driving around and this is where you get that um, quote where John's smashing the window trying to get his attention and says, who the hell's driving the car, Steve, you wonder. So he thinks on his feet, shoots the glass, pulls uh, Franco's dead body, chucks it out of the window, goes on to uh, Sergeant Al Powell's car. And I've got tons of uh, scenes here, guys. Got to show you this one here. But nobody has me let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Dear God, everything is Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> Brilliant. It's just, like I said, guys, this is just one quotable line after the other. John is getting into this. He's taking all the bad guys on. He's um, really causing um, Alan Rickman some problems. So Sergeant Al Capow calls in, and the next thing you know, you've got the whole cavalry that's turned up with um, Dwayne Johnson. Oh, is it Detective or Captain Dwayne Johnson, whatever his name is? He's going to take control. And um, he then calls the FBI here on their way. You've got the uh, Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson who turn up later on. So the police decide to put in all their protocols. They put in lights and then they get a SWAT team turn up with, um, with an RV. And this is another great scene where um, John McClane is pretty much thinking, that's not what you want to be doing in this situation. Don't send in the RV. Just do a little bit more of a slow burn. But no, the, the RV comes in, and this is where um, Hans Gruber's men, they've got some sort of badass shit. They turn up with some uh, rocket launchers. They've got some heavy artillery, 
And this is a really cool scene here. there you go guys if it if this film if all the other scenes that you haven't seen here with john mcclain in the fights he's done and all the quotes and you watch this scene, you think how this film just can't get any better can it and yes it does it's just a fantastic scene just the way again john mcclain thinks on his feet he thinks oh fuck it i'm just gonna blow the building up now and he just um, uses the um, TNT which he got from earlier which I forgot to mention from Tony's bag one of the terrorists he um, chucks it on the chair chucks it down the shaft like you heard in the scene boom there you go and I think a lot of these um, explosions in this movie were proper real pyrotechnics and explosions and I think that's what makes this great there's no CGI in this film whatsoever um, which really adds the tangibility of the film and by this point, as the audience, you'd be thinking, now that explosion and this scene is probably worthy of a final climatic scene in any other movie. No, it's not. We're only halfway through. We've still got a load more to go. So after this scene, you then got um, Ellis, who I mentioned earlier, who's the pompous ass. He talks to John McClane's wife, Bonnie, and says, your husband's going to ruin things. I, I can negotiate with Hans Gruber. It's what I do all the time. I can negotiate $100 million deals or whatever every day. Goes to see Hans, tells him that he's been friends with John McClane and that he should be able to get him. But then this results in Hans shooting him straight through the head. So Ellis has learned a very hard lesson. and got his fingers burned and got himself killed because these ter these guys mean the business and they will fucking kill you. So back to uh, John McClane. He is talking to Sergeant Powell and he has a very good conversation with Dwayne Johnson. He says to him, oh, yeah, you're just running around up there blowing stuff up. And <laughs> John McClane says to him, hang on a second, mate. I'm not the one who just got buck-fucked on national TV and shut shuts him up. So after this scene, um, John McClane then encounters Hans Gruber, who's walking around pretending to be a cooperative worker. Saying that he's Bill Clay and there John is talking to him, goffs him a cigarette and says, you know, you ever shot a gun before, you know, we could tie up and work together. And then as John McClane turns around, Hans gets onto the radio and starts to call the others. And this is where John says, you know, what do you think? I'm fucking stupid or something like that. And then you get a shootout scene here. It's a pretty cool scene. I'm going to count to three. Yeah. Make it do with Takagi. Oops. No bullets. You think I'm fucking stupid, Hans? You're saying?
John is um, walking across the glass and he loses the detonators which he had in the bag and he um, gets pretty badly um, wounded here on his feet. The um, FBI agents turn up, old Agent Johnson, Agent Johnson, no relation, and they turn the power off. And what I forgot to mention, he got the um, the tech geek, one of Hans' tech geeks, he's cutting through into the vault to get the money out. And with the FBI shutting off the power, that's like the last break to get into the vault, which is what Hans Gruber had planned all, all along. And during this shot, you've got John McClane talking to Sergeant Powell. It's quite a good scene here because it's John McClane doesn't think he's going to make it through, and he tells him that you know, tell my wife that I love her and sorry about you know what's happened, and she's the best thing that's ever happened to him, and he doesn't think he's going to pull through. And this is what I was talking about earlier. I think this is what makes John McClane a relatable character. He gets battered, he gets bruised, he gets cut up. And he actually cries in this movie, you know, and it's pretty unusual for this sort of genre, but I think that's, this is what makes Die Hard great. But then um, whilst he's talking to Sergeant Powell, John McClane realises it sort of puts two and two together with the detonators. He realises that the Hans Gruber is going to blow up part of the building to stage his death and then get away with the bearer bonds. So then John makes his way to the rooftop, which is where all the hostages have been taken as well. John tries to get all the hostages back down to the lower level to avoid the explosion, uses the machine gun. At this time, the FBI agents are flying over in the helicopter. And you get this classic scene here, I said earlier. Well, that bit with the SWAT team with the explosion, it's like a climax. It didn't end there. You've got now got this scene here. It's one of the best scenes ever in an action movie. John McClane tying a fire hydrant around himself and jumping off the building. Here it is here. Blow the roof. The car's up there! Blow the roof! I promise I'll never even think about going up in a tall building again. Absolutely epic scene, fantastic. I, I can't rate it enough. So I've got to move on from that scene. Um, so then, what I forgot to mention earlier is that Hans Gruber um, puts two and two together that Holly is John McClane's wife after seeing obviously John McClane. So he takes her hostage, and this is where you've got a scene where John McClane turns up. He's all bad and bruised, covered in blood blood coming off his feet and he very cleverly puts his um, gun behind his back with some um, Christmas tape that's what I forgot to mention earlier guys people are saying it's only a Christmas movie it is a Christmas movie with little scenes like this and uh, he walks up to Hans with his hands behind his neck and he's gone you know Harley 
and uh, he starts laughing at um, Hans Gruber and then this is where he pulls out a gun and shoots both Hans and his other terrorist mate and he just very cool he just sort of blows the gun like an old cowboy from the old west which is pretty cool but as this happens Hans Gruber falls out from the window takes Holly and I suppose this is where something you see at the beginning ends at the comes to the end where you've got the Rolex watch. Hans is hanging on to Holly's Rolex watch. So John McClane goes over and he releases it and basically fucks him off and the Rolex watch, which he was given earlier on. And the trivia here is, a little bit trivia here, is that there was a, I don't know, it was like a five metre drop or something like that when they were doing this action scene. And... Alan Rickman didn't realise that he was going to get dropped and they just dropped him and his face of fear is for real. So they captured that. That's pretty cool. And so then there you go. This is closing to the end of the movie. John McClane has saved the day. He's reunited with his wife. He's covered in blood. But then just when you think it's come to the end of the movie... You get this scene here where you've got Cole turns up and he points his gun at John McClane. But then Sergeant Al Powell gets his moment, he pulls a gun and he just shoots him. And there you go, guys. That's the movie. Hopefully you enjoyed that. If you, have, if you haven't seen it, I'm figuring most of you guys that are listening to this have. If you haven't, go check it out. Great movie. If you haven't seen it in a long time, watch it again. It's one of those films that you can just go back and watch time after time. Um, the other thing I was going to mention on this was I don't know if I mentioned it at the beginning of the show but other people that were going to play John McClane was pretty much everybody about at that time in Hollywood including Arnold Schwarzenegger Sylvester Stallone even Richard Dean Anderson from uh, MacGyver uh, was lined up Robert De Niro, Al Pacino could you imagine it just goes on and on and I uh, I think the other person who was very close to doing the John McClane role was actually Richard Gere. So that could have put him into a very different um, career path had this had he have done that role. Because, you know, Bruce Willis at the time, he was doing Moonlighting. He wasn't your typical um, action hero. So it certainly spring springboarded him into that. Um, genre which is evident with his later movies but um, there you go guys um, it's the start of Christmas so I've got a couple of other Christmas movies lined up um, I'm going to be doing um, Gremlins next and then I'm going to be doing Home Alone which is going to be a fun movie to do which I sort of, it's almost like a sort of kids die hard movie in a way so I'll check that out um, and thank you again, I always say, thanks to everybody's participation on the Facebook page. Um, I'm a proud member of the Legion podcast, so check out all the other shows. Got loads of other great shows on there. And um, I will leave you with the end credit song with Dean Martin, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. See you guys soon. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Man, it doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought me some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low, 
Let it snow, let it snow When we finally kiss goodnight How I'll hate going out in the storm But if you really hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm And the fire is slowly dying And my dear, we're still goodbye But as long as you'd love me so Let it snow, let it snow and snow 